Well, we are going to be continuing our series in the book of Acts. Uh, we took a little break last week. We had Pastor Chase here with us, which was so exciting. Uh, I, I was just so encouraged to see the Church of Nordonia, now the, the Corners Chapel. Um, we were commissioning them to make disciples there in the community of Macedonia, which is so exciting. Well, we're now going to return to the book of Acts, and we are in the last chapters. We're almost finished with the book of Acts, which is exciting. Um, and we, we've been looking and, and reading uh, in these latter chapters of Acts, uh, of the accounts of the Apostle Paul when he is in prison, under trial for his faith in Jesus. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 25 and Acts chapter 26. So we're going to look at those two uh, chapters today. But before I begin, I want to pray and ask God to speak to us through his word this morning. So let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word and that we can have your very words to learn more about you and to learn what you ask of us so that we can live for you wholeheartedly with all of our being. So God, speak through your word this morning. Speak through me. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you and bring encouragement to your people here at the chapel. Guide us this morning, God, I pray less of me and more of you would be known as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 25, 26 there. If you don't, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. I think um, you can turn uh, to there uh, in Acts chapter 25. And we're gonna do kind of a flyover of Acts chapter 25 and then getting us into Acts chapter 26 um, and then really kind of focusing on the, the latter part of Acts chapter 26 there. But here in Acts chapter 25, actually even before Acts chapter 25, in the last part of Acts chapter 24, we see Paul is witnessing, testifying of Christ. That's the title of this today's message is testifying of Christ. And we see Paul testifying of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, to these high-ranking officials that God puts him in first. And at the end of chapter 24, he's doing this. He's sharing the hope of Jesus uh, to a governor of Caesarea uh, named uh, Felix. And he actually says there in Acts chapter 24, starting in verse 25, he says, and as he, Paul, reasoned with uh, Felix about righteous and self-control and the coming judgment. And as he was saying these things to the governor of Caesarea, Felix was alarmed and said, go away. I, I think that he was getting convicted by hearing the truths of God in his life. And he didn't want to hear that. Uh, even, it even talks about that actually Felix was more in it for hopefully to get some material gain from Paul if he would let him go. But Paul was never let go. And he actually was uh, with Felix for two years in his custody. And then after that, Felix is succeeded by another man named Festus who became the governor of Caesarea. And then Paul goes on to talking with him about his faith in Jesus as he is in prisoner. So now under the governor Festus, the Jewish leaders actually laid out a case against Paul and actually even wanted him to be killed, as it says there in verses, uh, verses uh, 
1, 1 through 3 and also verse 7 of chapter 25. So they were trying to get rid of Paul because they believed Paul was going against their tradition, bringing a new religion. And Paul argued in his defense, denied those charges that were against him. Paul proclaimed that he was not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws nor against the Roman government. So Festus, actually, the governor of that time, of governor of Caesarea, threatened to take Paul to Jerusalem to be tried because, you know, Festus wanted to please the Jews. But Paul appealed to Caesar, and Festa, Festus uh, granted Paul's appeal uh, to go see the emperor of Rome in verse uh, 12 there of Acts chapter 25. And then King Agrippa comes onto the scene, who is the governor of Judah, who was over the governor of Caesarea, Festus. And he gets involved with Paul's case. And it's interesting uh, that it states that King Agrippa uh, came to Caesarea with great pomp and big ceremony. Uh, look at um, Acts chapter 25, uh, verse 23 here. It says, so the next day Agrippa and Bernice, which was his sister, came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. So it's interesting. Here, you know, King Agrippa decided this was an opportunity to display his power, so he comes in with great pomp and ceremony. But I think it's incredible that all this pomp and ceremony was because of one little man who was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the Lord had promised Paul that he would bear witness before Gentiles and kings the promise of God that was to be fulfilled in his, in his call of what Paul was to do. Look, look with me in uh, Acts chapter 9. And this is just a reminder of you know, this call of what Paul was doing to proclaim the hope of Jesus to all people. And this was in Acts chapter 9. This is after uh, Paul came uh, to believe in Jesus. He saw a vision of Jesus. And then one of his followers, Ananias, also had a vision from God to go to Paul and tell Paul his mission that he is to go to all people. Listen, look at Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 15. He says, but the Lord said to him, Ananias, go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So this was, and this was being fulfilled now as Paul was before these high-ranking officials and before a great many of people who were there in the court of proclaiming the hope of Jesus to many who would listen. So, as it goes on in chapter 25, Festus knew, this governor knew, that Paul had done nothing deserving death. And since King Agrippa was in town, Festus felt it was best to bring Paul before King Agrippa because there was no specific charges to, against Paul that would worthy him to go to Caesar. So, now in Acts chapter 26, Paul again makes his defense before King Agrippa. And Paul states that he is on trial because of his hope in the promise made by God. Would you look at that? 
chapter 26, verse 6. And it says, And now I, Paul, stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. Verse 7, To which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship day and night. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O king. And verse 8, Why is it that, why is it thought incredible of any of you that God raises the dead? So now, you know, Paul makes his uh, defense before King Agrippa. Paul states that he is on trial because of the hope that the promise made by God, that God raises the dead. And it's clearly seen because Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I'm reminded of when Pastor Tim Marrero uh, stated a couple weeks ago that our faith in Jesus is validated because of our Lord Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we would still be in our sins without hope, as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 states. But thanks be to God, that's not the outcome of our faith. Jesus is alive. Our Savior rose from the dead, which vindicates the believer, which means he declares us not guilty before God, even though our sins should condemn us. We are declared not guilty, forgiven of our sins, and righteousness is ours because of our living, righteous Savior. We don't serve a dead teacher or prophet that was just a good person, but we have faith in a living Messiah, a Savior who has not only lived the perfect life, but is forever, the forever righteous one. And now those who believe in him is credited that same righteousness. We can stand before God clean, all because of what Jesus did and his resurrection from the dead. So that's what Paul was saying. That's what he's on trial for, his hope in God and in the resurrection. He said, why do you think this is so foreign? This is what God can do. And so when I read in Acts chapter 26, verse 6, when he says, I'm on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, I, I think this shows Paul's personal connection to God. It shows his passion for the Lord Jesus and what carries him through everything in life. Paul was convinced that his faith in Jesus, the risen Jesus, the living Jesus, is true. And his life was wrapped around his faith in Jesus, who is the everlasting hope. I, I'm reminded of the words in 1 Peter chapter 1. I love what Peter writes to the believers here, where he says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, he says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can you say Jesus is your hope, your sustainer? Do you have that personal connection to God? As we see here that Paul shows you know, to uh, King Agrippa and to, and to Festus that he is connected to God. This is his hope. God is close to us. I, I think of Romans chapter 8 where it says we don't have a spirit anymore that, um, that separates us. We, we received a spirit of adoption as sons and that we could cry out, Abba, Father, God is close and near to those who believe in him. 
The God of the Bible is not some God that's far off and distant, some religion of just do's and don'ts. It's a God that's personal and that we can have a relationship with. And that's what Paul was talking with. And I think King Agrippa and these other high-ranking officials just didn't get it, how he was so connected to God. And that's what he wants from us, this personal connection to the Lord. Well, as we go on in chapter 26, look at Acts 26 now as we go on. And and starting in verse 12, Paul recounts his conversion story when he came to follow Jesus, when he encountered the living Christ. You know, this is the third time in the book of Acts where where we hear about Paul's conversion story. And whenever you see something repeated in the Bible, it's good to take note of that. There's a reason it's repeated. It's to show us something. So you should study it. This is Bible study 101 kind of things. And I believe we hear of Paul's conversion story three times to remind us that the power of God can change lives. That our testimony of how we believed in Jesus is important. And how God uses us to bring, uh, bring his hope and his love into others' lives through our story of belief in God. So like before, Paul shares his life before following Jesus, and he lists all the things that he did before he believed in Jesus. How he opposed the name of Jesus of Nazareth. How he, he said he locked up Christians. He would even cast his vote to have Christians killed. He would even torture Christians and have them blaspheme or curse the name of Jesus. But even with all that, Paul stated how Jesus revealed himself personally to him in a vision and called Paul to go and open the eyes of the Gentiles and to all people to the light of Jesus Christ. Wow. I mean, think about it. Paul was completely against Jesus and all who followed Jesus. I mean, he would even go as far as tell them he would torture them and curse the name of Jesus. But here, Jesus reveals himself. I would say he even turns the hardest of hearts to him. Have you ever thought that someone was too far from God that they could never believe in Jesus? Whenever you talk about Jesus with them or talk about your faith, they would always just oppose you or turn, turn a blind eye and don't want to hear it. Maybe you think that, oh, they'll never believe. Remember Paul. Remember, it probably seemed that he would never believe as well. But God changes the hardest of hearts, changed him. And God can do that in others of people that you may think that are too hard, would never believe. God can change lives. He can truly do that work. So now continue on in in Acts chapter 26. And as he shared his conversion story, he shared also his calling of what God had called him to do. Look at verse 16 now of Acts chapter 26. It says, but rise, okay, now Paul, rise and stand upon your feet, Jesus told him. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light 
from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place and a place among those who are sanctified, sanctified by faith in me, in Jesus. Paul's mission from Jesus was to open the eyes, the spiritual eyes, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings transformation to any life, to all, all the lives of the people. So here are four things that I believe the power of the gospel can do into the lives of people. First, it can bring them from darkness to light. Jesus said in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. The power of the gospel of Christ brings revelation to the things of God. When we come to believe in Jesus, we can see clearly, no longer hidden by darkness, the plan of God. Without Jesus, you wouldn't be able to see that. But when you believe, when you come to believe, you will be able to see clearly the plan of God, the will of God for your life. You'll desire to know him through his word that he has revealed to us. Having a desire or faith to follow Jesus is the light of God, Jesus working in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness or folly to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is, this is the thing. Our eyes are opened in the realization of what this cross, what Jesus did on the cross, it truly is the power of God. But to those who don't believe and haven't come to the light, they think it's foolishness. What's this cross have to do with my life? But to those who believe, oh, you realize it's the power to change us, to be the men and women of God that he's made us to be. Well, the second thing that the power of the gospel does is turns people from the power of Satan to the power of God. As it says there in Acts 26, verse 18. Romans 8 says, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even death, Romans 8 says. God is greater than the evil one, or Satan. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's God in you. Can deliver you from the evil one. Can strengthen you to overcome, as we sang earlier. And only by God's power, his strength in you. He, Jesus, has defeated Satan forever. Jesus even said in John chapter 14 that Satan has no claim on him. And it states in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, and we sang it in the song, we, those who believe have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Overcome Satan, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world and the word of our testimony. The third thing that the power of gospel does is that we receive forgiveness. Forgiveness of our sins. And this was Paul's message to show that only God can forgive sins. That, that our sin leads to separation, death. Death between us and God. But God has made a way through Jesus to be forgiven completely of all of our sins, and it only comes through that sacrificial death that Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Ephesians 1, verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness 
of our sins. That's the good news. That's an amazing thing that no longer our sin has to separate us from God and that we would be forever separated. No, Jesus has made a way. God has made a way through his son, Jesus. And the fourth thing that the power of the gospel does that Paul was commissioned to to show and to open the eyes of people was that it can sanctify us. It sanctifies us. Jesus said in John 14 that he would send a helper, a counselor that will teach us all things, the Holy Spirit. When we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, teaching us all things, all of the truth of God. And that's what it says in John uh, chapter 16, that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, that we can know of God and that we're not alone. We're not alone trying to do what God wants us. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit, strengthening us to do the will of God, to follow God. So now we read on in Acts chapter 26. Starting in verse 19 now, after Paul gets this mission to show, he then says to King Agrippa, therefore, O King Agrippa, verse 19, I, have not diso- I, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, verse 20, but declare first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their uh, repentance. And for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. So Paul shared with King Agrippa that he has been faithful to declare the message of Jesus Christ. And he proclaimed, repent and turn to God. So how we experience the power of the gospel of Christ to experience going from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, to be forgiven of our sins and to be sanctified through his Holy Spirit, it's repent and turn to God. It's repent. Repent just means changing your mind, aligning your mind with the truth from God and his word. And that would then go from your mind into your heart, affecting what you do in your actions, turning to God. So to experience the light of God, repent, turn to God. To experience the power of God so you can overcome, repent, turn to God. To be forgiven of your sins, repent, turn to God. To experience the work of God in you, repent, turn to God. That's how you experience the power of the gospel. I love what Romans 6 says. Romans 6 says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's living for God now. And and it's not just on your own and by your own strength. No, no, no. The Bible teaches God in you, helping you. So now... Paul goes on and now he continues to testify for Jesus as we look now and continue on in Acts chapter 26. Look at verse 22. It says, to this day, I've had the help that comes from God. Paul is proclaiming this. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, all who is listening, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer 
And that by being the first to rise from the dead, that's Jesus rising from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Paul was convinced that the coming of Jesus, his work on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, was what had been proclaimed from long ago through the prophets and Moses. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed the Messiah to come, the anointed one of God, the prince of peace, who would suffer to redeem the people. We see this in Isaiah chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 53. We also, King David wrote of the Messiah to come in the Psalms. He wrote it in Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 110, and the prophets Zechariah and Micah and others proclaimed the Messiah, the rescuer of God's people. And then through Moses came the law of God, the sacrificial law was given to the people out of mercy and grace of God for the atoning of people's sins so they could be forgiven of their sins and have a way to be with God. And it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world as John the Baptist pointed to him. And we have it recorded in John chapter one. The Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. The redemptive message of God was seen throughout time. Israel knew it, you know, as they, as they remember the story of the Passover, that God would rescue his people out of Egypt. They saw the pattern of how God throughout history would show his mercy many times when the people of God would sin and turn away from a holy God. That's why the psalmist wrote in 103, I want to read this, I love this psalm. Psalm 103 says this, blessed Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Paul saw and knew Jesus as the pinnacle of the redemptive work of God. He knew it wasn't a different religion or a faith he was teaching. Jesus was the completion of the plan to redeem his people. So we read on in Acts chapter 26 and look at the response of now Festus and King Agrippa. Acts chapter 26, verse 24. And as he, Paul, was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things. To him, I speak boldly, for I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. So here, Festus thought that Paul was crazy, out of his mind about what he was saying. And then Paul turns to King Agrippa and listen to his response. Look at verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, King Agrippa, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I, except for these chains being in prison. 
So Paul turns to King Agrippa, and King Agrippa says, do you think you're going to persuade me to be a Christian? Maybe his heart, maybe King Agrippa's heart was hardened or indifferent to the message of Jesus Christ, but that didn't matter to Paul. Paul's passion to see people know the hope of Jesus was evident. Paul didn't allow King Agrippa's indifference or his hardness get to him, nor did Paul allow Festus, Festus' comments to deter him or hinder his proclamation of the hope of Jesus. Do you sometimes allow people's response or, or maybe even lack of response deter you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing about your faith into others that are around you? I would encourage you, share your faith in Jesus. Don't be afraid. You don't have to have some incredible story or knowing that maybe think of a story that you have heard before that shares about someone who had this horrible past and then came to faith in Jesus and God delivered them from all of that. And if that's you, praise God. But I would encourage you, don't just share the moment of when you believed in Jesus, but share about how you turn to God every day for help. How you go to God in prayer when times are difficult. How God gives you hope through everything, even the hard times in life. The reason why you have hope is because of everything God has done for you through Jesus Christ. Share how God has opened your eyes to see the light of him, to see the gospel, that your sin separated you from God and Jesus came and died for your sin and now you've been reconciled to God and now God lives in you because of his love for you, because of his mercy and grace for you. Share that hope of eternal life with God and God, not only when you're in heaven with God, but that life with God now. Share how God is with you now, that God works in you now, how he is continuing to empower you through his Holy Spirit to live for him now. Share that with those around you. Let that gospel, gospel in you, come out in the everyday life that you go through. And that people would see, wow, he even gets through the difficult times. He has some kind of joy. He may be sad, but there seems to be hope. Why? And you share about Jesus, that he is your anchor, the one who helps you throughout all that you go through. I think that's when, when Paul was sharing, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he talks about, you know, planting and watering the seeds of the truth of God. Do that. Plant the seeds of truth through sharing the hope of Jesus in you. Water it at times. Let them see that more, uh, how you live it out. And then trust, as 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, that God brings the growth. He's the one who will birth faith. And remember, he can even turn the hardest of hearts, just like he turned Paul's heart. So I encourage you this day, share the transforming work of Christ. Salvation is not just a one-time event. As I, as I shared earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, remember the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. This ongoing work that God is saving us, he, he does that. He's, he, will, he saves you from your sins when you decide to follow Jesus. Romans 10 says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
but he continues to save you as you live for him. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where it says that we are being transformed into the image from one declare from glory to another for this comes from the Lord. Colossians 3 says, and we've put on the new self which is being renewed. He ongoingly does this. And then Philippians 1 where it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God will bring that work to completion in you. So share that work, that ongoing work that you living for God every day of your life. I think that's what's gonna open the eyes of people to see, wow, God is real, and I can see it in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. Share that hope of Jesus, how he works in you every day. Look at the last verses there in Chapter 26 of Acts, starting in verse 30. Here then it says, Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, his sister, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. You know, Paul wasn't concerned about his own comfort. He didn't care how long it took, you know, for King Agrippa to, to really realize the hope of Jesus, to understand all that God has done. But he would stay there. You know what? And he, he didn't have to appeal to Caesar, but he knew his mission, and he wanted to go to Rome to proclaim the hope and the gospel of Jesus there. And however long it took, and whatever he would go through, prison, oppression, it didn't matter. Paul wanted to help open the spiritual eyes of people. Well, I would encourage you, you know, maybe think as, as Paul would think, what do you need to give up to share the gospel of Christ? Or what do you need to lay down so that the message of Jesus would be heard in someone's life? Would you lay aside your time? I feel this is a big one. Because we all are busy with something in our lives. Something comes up and that we have to do and that distracts us from taking the time to share our faith in Jesus with someone. Would you lay aside your time and take time to talk to someone who is hurting that needs to hear the hope of Jesus? Would you lay aside your comfort to share the hope of Jesus with someone that is hard to be around? Maybe you are with those during the Thanksgiving holiday with your family that are hard to be around. Take time to be with those. Share the love and the grace and the hope of Jesus with those that sometimes are hard to be around. Is God prompting you to share your faith with someone? Testify of Christ. Act on that prompting. Don't be ashamed or fearful to stand for Jesus. Even when they ridicule you or say that you're crazy or that God doesn't exist or whatever it is that they will try to argue against you. Stand for Jesus, knowing that you're more than conquering, that your God is alive and well and lives in you. You're an overcomer, a conqueror in the spiritual battle because of the work of Jesus. As I stated earlier in Revelations 12, they overcome, they overcome the power of the evil one by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's what we are called to do 
share, just as Paul did. Let that motivate you to be a witness for Jesus to those around you. Let's pray. God, I thank you again for your word. I thank you that, Lord, you used your servant Paul in great ways to open the eyes of those that were spiritually blinded to you. But help us also to proclaim the power of the gospel that is at work in us to those around us. Help us to share the hope of you to those who are hurting, that need to hear how you can give peace even in the midst of turmoil and things that go haywire or crazy in our lives. You're the one that can give peace through it all. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, for showing your mercy and your grace, for coming to die on the cross and rising from the dead so that we can have hope everlasting and then share that to a lost and broken world. Oh, Father, help us to do that well. We commit our lives to you. We commit everything unto you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.